Welcome everybody to another episode of Kev's Perspective. I'm your host Kev Lowe and today man I have my best friend Gage Reagan on. Now who is Gage Reagan? Gage Reagan is a videographer from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is again one of the most genuine people I know. Very big visionary when it comes to cinematography and we just kind of chopped it up. We just kind of you know talked about some experiences at shows, some crazy stories, some not so crazy stories, you know some things we've learned in this industry and how far we've come. So it's kind of just a casual conversation, nothing too enlightening. I just think it's kind of fun to hear our stories when it comes to touring and we've been all over the Midwest together and you know, just our ideas on our industries. Like he talks a little bit about the videography business. I talk a little bit about how he did at the shows and how that relates. And anyways, it's going to be a good episode for y'all. Please welcome my best friend, Gage Reagan. Chia. Get a couple fucking good hits in. Ridiculous. You get a, <laughs> he sees the R, the record, and he goes, fucking Let me ridiculous. Put this down here. <laughs> Gay Dragon Productions LLC. Gay Dragon Productions LLC, everybody. Okay. What's up, Kev? All right. What's going on, man? How you doing? I'm probably going to start it like this. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just uh, just living life, drinking some coffee. Um, you know, as, oh, uh, as well as you do, that uh, I start to yawn. Yes. Every... It was, it's, uh, so I've recorded it. It's every about minute and a half. Mm-hmm. I was, cause one time I said every 30 seconds in the car and then literally I was like, holy shit, we're close. But it's like every minute and a half on yeah. average. Yeah. So I'm going to try to alleviate that. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I'm not going to, Gage doesn't need much introduction for those who know me, but um, I will introduce him cause it's my podcasting standard. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Gage. Uh, this is Gage Dragon of Gage Dragon Productions. Um, or Gay Dragon Production was it? Now you dropped the fucking Gay Dragon Productions. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. So he's probably like my best friend of all time. Started this stuff with him before promotion. Um, I was an artist and he was my manager. That's how it started. <laughs> you can believe it. But before that, we met at Best Buy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Samsung rep, and I was seventeen, working in the home theater department, and uh, <laughs> I was just chilling, not working you know, as we do at Best Buy. And um, he came over with a tablet and was like, here you go, man. Like, I was like, who the fuck's this guy? And he goes, you know, we're, we're going to play a racing game real quick. And I was like, okay, all right, I guess we're doing this. And that's how I met Gage. And from there, you know, it's kind of history. I'm 24 now, so we've been friends for seven, that's seven years. Yep. From yeah. making music on the 2008 MacBook Pro that I still have in really? my closet today to wow. now being here. That's crazy. Now you're the, the uh, yeah. one of the honchos of CLM, and you're just, you're just doing some big things. The honchos. <laughs> Fucking Kato would not call me a honcho. He would call me a bitch boy, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's neither here nor there, though. No, no, yeah. No. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, so that's Gage is a videographer around Minneapolis. Uh, I I just actually got done telling telling Jake Giller, which you don't know yet, but on the podcast I just did with Jake Giller. Um. I told him you were super slept on in the scene because he was talking about videographers and Waterwave, and these are like brand new cats. And mm. I was like, he he only listed like I remember we talked about it. Um, we listed like Matt Wales and Anthony Brown, and I was like, dude, you know Gage Reagan? He goes, yo, you know what's funny is I saw your work and I didn't even know who he was. And I was like, yeah, well, I mean, you, you're probably one of the videographers in Minnesota that doesn't. Um, I want I'm not gonna say market because you market, but it's not. I don't think you like publicize your brand. Like you want to be a front-facing thing, because that's why you were my manager for a while, and that's why when you sang on my old songs, you didn't want to be featured. You've always been kind of like behind the scenes, right? Well, it's honestly, dude, it's for the love of the craft. Like that's kind of the reason. Like when I was doing features on your songs, I just said, 
don't put my name in there because right. at the end of the day, the reason I get into this in the first place is because I do it for the love of the art and mm-hmm. I want the work to speak for itself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I try to embody every single day. And it's really easy to get into the loop of, oh, okay, I get a couple likes on a photo or a video right. that I post and you get that dopamine rush and you want it and you want it and you want it and you want to be that viral sensation. Right. But I find more fulfillment in just being able to not only be in tune with your craft, but in tune with who you are Mm -hmm. as a person, because that transcends through everything that you do. Yep. Um, And I just, I find it a more genuine approach. Not that I'm saying that people who get that type of clout aren't using that genuine approach, but that's kind of my viewpoint on yeah, you're not saying like no one's disingenuous. It's just what you do versus what everyone else does, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Which, um, yeah, Engage has done quite a bit of work for a lot of artists in Minneapolis, uh, but to not stay on a local level, he's he, your focus has always been like cinematic related. That's how I kind of explain it to people. It's cinematic related and short film kind of esque. And that's what I think is different is that a lot of these people who are mainly in hip hop doing video, and I'm not naming anyone in particular, you could go look at all over the scene. They all have kind of the same look. And we've talked about this. Like they all do the kind of the motion, like in and out, like, you know, very quick movements. Um, not everything is perfect. Not everything is like stable. Not all the colors are right. Like, and I, I just, it's a little bit of unprofessional. You've had a lot of professional experience. Like you worked actually at a at a place where your budget was what you told me one time it was like 20 million dollars in the media department to use to make like well no no so the the overall budget of the company was like 20 million but regardless it's got to work with high budget stuff right so you've worked with high budget photography and videography you've done you've you learned a lot of different things at that company and i think that that's kind of the upper edge you have on some people in the state to be honest that's just my opinion that's not like we're not here to like toot your own horn that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what makes you different versus some of these guys that were like, yeah, I just started doing rap videos. Like they started doing rap videos. They didn't start just making fun films and then actually working in the media industry and then actually like getting a good position and then, you know what I mean, venturing into other things. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your take on some like the, there's like a, there's a scene for videography in Minnesota. Like what's your take on it? Um, It's interesting because, you know, I... I was that guy that that did no shit, and right. he he thought he knew a lot more than he thought he did. <laughs> um, you know, going back to that that job that I had, it was essentially an ad agency because we yep. we have clients, we have weekly content that we need to put out, we have you know big budgets that we need to work with. So I think I you know when I started that job, I was actually underqualified for it. Really? Yes, absolutely. Because the stuff that I that I I posted, I feel like I felt like especially given the um, the other candidates that were that were in the running for that position, mm-hmm. I was extremely underqualified. This was a literal like fucking half court shot, trying to see if I would make it type situation, right. and you know, uh, I did, and then that that gave me the platform. Especially like shouts out to that old job because like they gave me the the foundation and I guess the the dojo so to speak, right, to be able to perfect my craft. And I think, um, you know, I'm very like I'm just lucky and blessed to be able to have had that experience right because i honestly i couldn't i couldn't necessarily um it's a lot harder especially like when you say like people are starting out and they're just doing 
like rap videos yeah like that's awesome and cool and like that's that's a great reason to come into it because you obviously have some sort of love for for hip-hop music in general so that you can kind of like meld those two together Mm -hmm. but um you know you have to be you have to be constantly aware and like blunt with yourself on what you're doing this for in the first place is this to get a check and to get paid because you see all of these videos of these filmmakers making a bunch of cash off like YouTube and stuff like that. Or are you, you doing it because you have something to say and you have a story to tell. Yeah. And that's, that's a big reason why I, uh, I do what I do is because I want to tell stories. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been trying to do ever since I picked up a camera, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's it's a tough climb, and what I think is really cool, and what I, one thing I'm like seeing now is like people are, um, especially even with COVID, like mm-hmm. they're collaborating with each other, and like we're meeting up, and like I just talked to my buddy Pete like a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and we had a super super awesome conversation about, you know, just what it means to be in this industry, and and how can you grow, and like what resources can you use, and right. like I think leaning on others, especially other filmmakers especially given because our, our profession is so niche and there's very few of us. Yeah. Like it's growing every day and filmmaking is becoming more and more, uh, you know, accessible. Yeah. There's, I want to talk about that quickly. You said it's growing. I, it's There's a difference between like someone picking up a camera and someone picking up a DJI Osmos like me. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a difference in videography. Like you're, there's a difference between like, Hey, I'm shooting video and then doing videography. Like, yeah, it may sound the same, but in my opinion, again, this is just my opinion is that I see a lot of people picking up cameras that are like starter cameras that you can buy at Walmart for like 300 bucks. Like, and you're calling themselves videographers or, you know, making a quick media company, renting stuff out and saying, boom, this is what I do. Like, yeah, it's growing, but there's not a lot of people like when we started, there wasn't anybody doing you what you're doing. Like we st- we did this seven years ago, right? And I remember we were at Mill City Nights. You would not see a photographer or videographer on stage like you do even on the local scene. Like now I see like five or six on my own shows. Everyone's trying to flood in saying they're a videographer or a photographer. Like there's it's a super now saturated market. Mm-hmm. in my opinion from what I've seen. Like I only can name a handful of people in this state that like I know that are really good at it. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like doing what I'm doing like people will see like I make small videos and I've had people DM me and be like I didn't know you you were a you're a filmmaker I was like I'm not I picked up a DJI Osmo pocket and I it was 400 bucks and I went and just decided to make stuff for myself like just just because like I wanted to like experiment with video j- just because and this is one of the reasons it's like I knew I wanted to start a podcast eventually yeah so I was like let's just start this way so in my opinion like how do you deal with the oversaturation i mean because like it's it definitely i'm assuming would take away from your business a little bit not necessarily i think uh i think the saturation is kind of cool oh really a little bit because it's like um you know when the when the whole uh uh like the modern hip-hop wave happened when like emo rap came around like yep, recently it was yep. such an exciting time to to be in that like circle um, and I think what's really cool is that like, so like what you said, like, why did you start making videos? Right. You yep. made it for yourself because you wanted to just make something because you're a creator. Right. Um, and having filmmaking be so accessible today, you can see, uh, everyone's creative vision through so many different lenses, especially mm-hmm. with this new iPhone 12 coming out, Yeah, which is like 
to be honest, like changing the indie filmmaking game in yeah. terms of accessibility. Yeah. I think it's cool because you get to like, um, you get to, you know, compare with others and like, you know, uh, oh, I did this. Oh, I did this. This That's so cool. And then you can, you know, collaborate. Yeah. I think the problem with that happens when you're trying to search for that clout and you're trying to, to get that, like, that moment, you know, like everyone, like, listen, like, <laughs> listen up. <laughs> so this is what I see all the time. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm so, ready for it. You know this too. So like openers at shows, right? Yep photographers aren't taking pictures of any of them not at all unless they're hired by that specific artist to take pictures or they're just like a good guy exactly good but what what happens when the baby goes on stage like iowa oh, what dude, happens when we were in iowa dude there was literally like all of a sudden 25 so, photographers easy. come out of the ether yeah no we didn't even know they were there because yep. we were there since no one was there like it was yep. we entered the building through clm again we're referencing uh a show I did, CLM did, um, in Iowa City in 2019, we did, was it 2019? It was 2019. We yeah. did the baby before, when he released Suge, like when Suge first hit the internet. He was popping. He was just popping, like just then, and he was still with Stunner for Vegas and his whole crew, right? Billion Dollar Baby Entertainment wasn't really a thing yet. And we were at the show, and no one was in there. I have footage, and Gage probably has footage of like the empty, empty big place, right? We were in this hall. They called it the music hall. Mm -hmm. And then when the local acts were on, there was a front section. So it's like the gate. If you've ever been to a show, it was the gate that divided the, the audience from the stage. And then like security is supposed to be there only. And like a select two or three videographers, usually the people, the company, and usually the baby openers were on one or two people were in there and that's including you like there was maybe one person in you with that pit but then yeah out of the ether the baby comes on boom 20 people in there easy and security just gave up mm -hmm. security gave up mm -hmm. and i was like yo now anyone's hopping in here i have footage of like women just walking in there when the baby was in there like that's a liability i was like no 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 like i was pulling people out like I'm the promoter. The promoter should not be doing security. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? I ended up doing like the baby's merch for a little bit, but I shouldn't be doing security too. Yeah. So when that happened, like, yeah, it, you could tell at that point the market for just chasing clout, like all of them were just there to, <laughs> did the microphone just fall on you, bro? just fell on me. Here at no, Kev's perspective, we have high quality production. It's not going to stay like that, bro. It's going to fall. Like, Is it? Yeah, you got to keep it up. And just leave We're it. Just not gonna touch it, it. Don't touch it. Yeah, you just won't touch um, it. Um, <laughs> guess perspective is still everybody quality is getting better slowly but surely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, dude, I I agree. That was just nuts to see, and that was including like when I would go behind the curtain too. There was a curtain, uh, when you pass the crowd, and there was supposed to be no one back there. It's the backstage. Dude, there was like 50 people back there that just said they were back there. And the only way you were supposed to be able, be able to get back there is if you had an all-access pass, which I know only 10 or 15 of us, who because two companies doing it, CLM and EST Studios, we did it together. And I know only 15 of us had that. And there was like 50-plus people back there. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, Iowa security, not the best. <laughs> but it was a fun show, man. It was, it was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that. that well, I'll, let's just get into that show stuff um, because show stuff. you've done a lot of show stuff with me. Yeah. Um, and I was actually, I don't know, man. I've sorry for adjusting this all the time. I'm trying to get it right. Um, that one won't fall. I promise. This one, that's the good one. This one's slowly yeah. been been gradually being an asshole though. Um, so I want to get into show stuff quick. So yeah. people know we do shows. People don't care we do shows, but people know we do shows. Um, 
what's been your favorite show you've done with me? Because I know we've done a lot, man. We've we've been to mainly. I tell everyone in the market, they're like, "Do you go around the world with the artists?" No, man. We go to like Iowa, yeah, uh, Wisconsin. You guys have the market, which yeah. is like the Midwest, the Midwest, and like which is like Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, Chicago. Sometimes, you know, St. Louis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What's been your favorite show you've done with CLM so far, or in general, I guess. Oh man, dude! Honestly, like, I think the ones where we travel and, that was and fun, dude. are just are just the best because you're in an unknown area, and at that point, when you're in an unknown area, you're kind of like, you know, fuck it, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, I think the one of probably one of the coolest nights, especially given like the size of the venue and the crowd too, mm-hmm. uh, was futuristic. Like futuristic in Iowa. Or in Iowa, Iowa was fucking. Awesome. Yeah, he because he had what like three hundred people in there. Yeah, and it and felt the, like a thousand. And the capacity was like three hundred five. Like he yeah. almost hit capacity of the venue. Yeah, and I think just like the raw energy that that guy puts out is super cool. Yeah. Um, and then just you know just whatever hijinks happen afterwards. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Dude, I know I remember that was an awesome, awesome show, and yeah. not just that, not just because the show was like packed and it was great. It was because when we were in the car with Buddy and Cato. And it was just like, I remember in Justin and we were like, the, we, we always reference the story where like I had to take a really bad shit and like I was like sweating profusely and Kato didn't believe me and I screamed, pull the fuck over. <laughs> and our security guard, Justin was like, oh my God, he starts cracking up. He's fucking serious. And like buddies like braiding my hair, reading the <laughs> discography of porn stars, like just when we go on the road, it's so fun. Just like the stories that are told. But mm-hmm. yeah, the show also helps because we worry about it. Like I always tell you, you're like, what's the turnout, Kevin? Like I'm like, fuck, mm-hmm. we're hoping this, walk ups this. So that show ended up being way better than we thought. And that was also the show that I disappeared in like futuristics manager was like, yo, bring the bucket of the ice to the tour the tour bus. This is where you're gonna be and hanging out with us for a bit. Yeah. And like once I was done with all my responsibility, I got to hang out futuristic on his tour bus, and that was like a dream come true. Cause yeah. we've watched futuristic. There was a there's a photo I'll put on here that I still have of us a picture with futuristic. Um, Mill City Nights right in front from like eight years ago, man. Like eight years ago, and yeah. we we were asking futuristic for advice. Now you're literally shooting for him and everybody in the show, and I'm literally running his show mm-hmm. like years later. So full circle, full circle. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just that fun stories. That was definitely a special show to me. Special show, Kato didn't. He knows he's he said I've known Zach for blah, 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 like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm Kato. I fucking Love you, know Kato. everybody. Yeah, fuck you, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think okay. I don't. I don't know how much we can talk about this, but I think probably I would say the craziest night of all time during a show was was Mercules. Which one? The one with in at Minneapolis? the caboose. Yeah, that, at the caboose, okay. Why? Why do? Why do you not think we can talk too much about it? Well, I tell just the think, people. I just think some certain individuals, you know, may not appreciate their name being talked out of my mouth, but. Listen, I'll talk about Hell's Angels, man. The yeah. Hell's Angels are good fucking people. Uh, they if were you guys nice don't, guys. If you guys don't know who the Hell's Angels are, scary motherfuckers, man. They will. But if they're on your side, 
oh, you got it. You're fine. It, you, you've never felt safer in your entire life. Honestly, yeah, I've that's never why I felt safer it. in my fucking Yeah, life. that's what I want to talk about. I've told people that story a lot, and we felt so safe because when they walked through the Hells Angels, guys, it was like, so the Caboose in Minnesota, again, for those who aren't from Minnesota, is a biker bar venue, and we book there all the time. See, that is CLM's venue, but we do recognize that there are bikers, right? And there's biker gangs like the Hells Angels, and I don't want to call them gangs. I'll call them families, like, because... They're Hell's Angels headquarters. They're, just, they're a motorcycle club. That's all they are. Yeah, it, yeah. but like their headquarters, they span across the whole United States of mm-hmm. America. And when they showed up, man, I knew who they were from being a kid. And my mom used to ride with them. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, like I know they're they're scary dudes. They mean well. Their main thing is family. Everyone in their packs a family. But when about twenty of those motherfuckers show up, and then another twenty show up to your show, so forty of them all hanging out in one area, all with their vests, not taking shit. Um, security didn't do anything. We didn't do anything. And Cato said, "This is their place. This isn't our place. We have to respect that." And they turned into our security. They turned into they offered, our security. They offered security. And all us. they wanted, you remember all they wanted? Oh God. I Oh, they wanted to get on stage or something? Yeah, and they wanted to meet Mercules, and that was it. Yeah. They wanted to get backstage, which I gave them a little area backstage, and they were like, and can we meet Mercules? And I'm not kidding when I say this, folks. The scariest people of all time are also the sweetest. They're like, this big, tough sergeant dude comes up to me, and he has a whip in his hand, and he goes, hey, man, I just want to meet Mercules. And I'm like, okay, man, like, you got it. <laughs> Oh, this way. <laughs> right this way. I was like, you're so nice. But they also took care of business for us. Yeah. They uh, cleared a path for us when we needed to kick people out. If people got too rowdy. Like, it was mm-hmm. awesome. They're awesome people. And they're always welcome at CLM shows anytime. I know that for a fact. They invited yep. us after that night to their headquarters in Minneapolis. Yep. Me and you didn't go. A little sad we didn't go. Because we all got invited. But we, we were like also tired as hell because after a show, people, we've been there for 10 hours. It was like 1.30 in the morning, too. Yeah, and, and we, you know. yeah, we're, we're, we want to go home. Like, yeah. but when the Hells Angels invite you to their bar, you're like, fuck, like, should I do it? Like, should I not do it? <laughs> Buddy went, Kato went, they all had a good time. And they said they received nothing but love. So now when I when we see them at shows, we give them respect. I'm curious to see what they're if they're going to show up in 2021 when shows resume. I don't know when that is, folks. It's a big topic. I don't know when. But, um, It'd be cool to see when they show up and when they don't, because we're not booking. I don't know if we're booking a lot of other people anymore. We're trying to book Jelly Roll. You're not going for Mercules again? I think we are. I mean, I see him in my email with Kato, but it's just all speculation. Like I've told you. Because everything is so tentative now. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, the people who are throwing shows are locals, and the ones who are doing local shows, if you're a local bar, I mean, I get it. Like, if you can... If you can run at capacity and say you can go by the COVID guidelines, yeah, yes or no, and then do your own thing and take the 400 bucks for booking, yep. just the venue out, I get it. You're struggling during this time. Yep. Um, but being an artist, I would not take that liability on. What if there's like a COVID surge? Yeah. And someone like, it's not just if they get a COVID surge. It's like if someone gets a COVID surge and then someone then talks to the person who ran the show and then gives them the hospital bill, then we got issues. Mm-hmm. So that's why we've only done one show, actually. We could talk about that one, too, Riff Raff in Appleton, Wisconsin. We oh, the one that we COVID. did recently. Yeah, that was yeah. that was an interesting... Was that April or when was oh, this? Oh, God. Yeah, I think it was It was around April. It was just a couple months after like the initial like kind of like... Onset hecticness happened. Yeah. Hecticness happened. Hecadickedness. Hecadickedness. Nice. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, and to be honest, man, like I, other than just like the general, just complete disregard for any, uh, <laughs> one 
uh, social distancing or any at of all that, of that stuff. You know, it's it was it felt right. It felt cool to like be back at a show. I said that a hundred times. Like when we were going there, I was like, yeah. wow, like I'm super excited to like be in that moment again. Because when you're at shows, like especially when I'm shooting at shows, I feel like I fucking black out because like yep. it's it's my zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so focused on what I'm doing. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, we're we're dealing with overcapacity, number one. Absolutely. The amount of people that were there were just ridiculous. The fact that cash was being thrown around, like, it was just no, zero. No. When I say zero masks, there were zero masks, except the CLM team. We were wearing yeah. them. We were Riff Raff masks, actually. Yeah, we were, Riff Raff was wearing a mask, too, and, and then he took it off when he got on stage, and we set up the stage where he was above everybody else, and so we tried to make it not too close, but it was up to the venue. It was up to the venue to follow the guidelines, and it was up to them to enforce them through security, and um, it was up to the patrons if they wanted to. But Appleton, Wisconsin didn't have a mask mandate then, just to be very clear yeah. people. They didn't have a mask mandate, and we were like, Cato was like kind of off and on with the mask, and we were like 100% on with the mask. Mm-hmm. I never took my mask off other than if it was to drink some beer. Mm-hmm. And even drinking a beer, I like literally took a wet wipe. And like sanitize the top of it. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't mess with the whole thing too much. And I've told people that story because that's that was scary. To me, that was scary because this is when we didn't know anything about COVID. We didn't know what worked, what didn't. No one had a mask mandate. And it was like people were still resuming business as normal in April because this thing was really kicked off in February. And then people thought it was going to be done because it was like, how long is this going to be? So that was yeah. a whole... That was a whole thing. It's a really, it's the unfortunate part. It's a double-edged sword, especially with smaller businesses, is that mm-hmm. pay, pay places like, you know, not necessarily like Pimento, who have an extra, like, you know, stream of income, but let's talk yep. about, like, the kitty, the kitty Cat Club, for instance, up in oh, Minneapolis. This, I mean, there's, there's a restaurant that just closed down in Minnesota that was, like, a Mexican restaurant after, like, 20 years in Uptown that closed. Yeah. Like, places that rely on people that can't do anything but, have that in-person like yeah. experience. So so it's like I'm a small business owner and I have to pay, you know, $4,000 a month for the space that I have. Yeah. Am I going to be able to operate my business and feed my family or am I going to shut down my business and, you know, although that may help, um, you know, it's just it's temporary. It's terrible. It's temporary. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And that's like that's the argument of you know, we can't be shut down forever. Um, I get that argument too. But yeah, it, it's just when we were in Appleton, we, we the show went really well. Everything yeah. went smooth. Luckily, no one got sick that we were aware of. And I don't. I just don't think it was that widespread yet. I don't think the cases were growing as rapidly as they are now because it was warm outside still. We were still in summer. Like it was, we were fine for a while because even, you know, in the beginning of this thing, we were out because where it all started was even in, like, February's when they kind of announced things might be happening and in March I remember I was at the Matson show and in Madison I was talking to the owner of the venue and he said right behind us is where they're testing some of the COVID vaccinations in Madison Wisconsin and I was like oh, holy shit like we're already testing and it was right behind yeah. us and they were like but they're still gonna shut us down mark my words this will be the last show you do on this tour and he was just so in tune with the announcements and sure enough that was the last show we did that tour yeah Matson sent us home and you know this is after like you know, Tana was on the road with Maude for a while and he was like, dude, like, I'm scared. Like, I don't know. Like, he was telling me, he's like, I, I, do we have to shut this thing down? And he, I heard like some rumors, but no one really talked about it too much. And then 
after we went home from Madison, I didn't know we had. So in 2020, we had Caskey booked. We had like, you know, like we had a ton of riffraff shows booked. And then we had other artists. So we were new working with artists. And yeah. then all of a sudden, Cato's like, nope, everything's getting rescheduled. And we're only keeping the Appleton, Wisconsin show. And the only reason we kept that show is because it was able to be re- relocated to an area where it was in between the Milwaukee market and the um, Eau Claire market for college kids. And they came halfway and met in that in Appleton, Wisconsin. It's the only reason why. And people knew Appleton from Apple River. So Mm -hmm. people knew that area. So it worked out. It was just a weird coincidence that we could do it then. Show went well. VIP went well. Riff was great. Team was great. Went home. We all went to the hotel. It was great. And that's when me and you actually got to really like hang out with Riff Raff, like with this crew, with this team, like actually be in the same hotel room and talk, like shoot the shit. Yeah. It was fun. It he, was a good show. He was a cool guy. I mean, he's he's definitely he's, he's riffraff. He's got a lock. Yeah, he's riffraff. Like the he, first thing he did when he got to the hotel, folks said, "Where's the basketball court?" And this is when <laughs> COVID, like everything, shut down. We're like, "Dude, it's probably shut down." Like I don't know. Like, there's maybe three people in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, there was like nobody in this lobby. Pool was shut down. He's like, "Well, the laundry room's not shut down." So he went to the laundry room, like dribbled <laughs> the ball in there or something like that. Yeah, he's never. I don't think he's ever fully like. And granted, I don't know him very well, but yeah. when we were with him, it doesn't seem like he's ever really off, which no. I guess that comes with the trade. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, you know? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That dude was always on his shit. His team was super cool. But yeah, yeah Appleton cool was guys. fun. We went from DeBaby all the way to like all these shows. Oh, because we talked about favorite shows. That's right. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what your... was your favorite show? Mine? Yeah. Like out of like all of them that you've done. <sighs> with you or just in general? Just in general. Other than hair my mouth hold on oh that was gross um other than mod sun in iowa because you know how futuristic was mod sun was just as packed but had more energy and well now it's more energy because futuristic had a ton of energy i'll take that back he had a better live performance he had like a whole band with him and he you know that little stage in iowa he packed it out yeah. but if not that if that's not my favorite show like ever dax because i went into mm. dax having really low expectations yeah and then i met the guy didn't even know who he was super nice his team was super sweet Brittany boston shout out to out. Yeah. love you man yeah. she's super cool she taught me stuff she used to work for atlantic records and i think Capitol records mm. and um doing an AR job there i think it was don't sorry Brittany, if i misquote you but that's what i believe it was and then Dax was like super nice. He had a big tour bus, and I was like, "Who is this guy? I've never heard of from Canada." And then I was like, "Well, this show's gonna be small, right?" No, he had like five hundred people, four hundred people at the caboose, which it was popping. The only show that tops that is the Chris Webby show on Halloween. That was eight hundred people. That was crazy. And that—that's the thing is that Chris Webby show. That was a yearly event, so that was like a yeah. reoccurring thing that happened. Dax just came out of fucking Left nowhere, field, man. Canada, and he and, said Minnesota, cool, five hundred people at a venue. That's nuts to me too. It was cool. And, and the energy that he could just command from 500 people was... And it was like, he else. came from YouTube. Yeah. He didn't come from, like, yep. independent rap like Chris Webby, like, came from, like, you know, just really raw thoughts. He, this is like, this dude came from YouTube, did some small videos, yeah. really out of nowhere. And I, I just have a lot of respect for Dax because that show just caught me off guard. Everyone loved him. His crowd was super engaged, super respectful crowd and, and, um, and team, and it went really smoothly. And so I was like, that, that's one of my favorite shows too. But mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of other ones because we've done, I mean, think about it. I think you've been with me 30 shows. No, 33 shows. Because the only ones you haven't done with me were the mod sum ones, those three, that three-day little run I did. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, 33 shows we just had to pick from. The reason why, you know, people actually ask me too, was the baby your favorite show? 
And I remember that was one of our least favorite shows. Yeah. I mean, it was Should like... we talk about it? Yeah, <laughs> Why definitely. it was our least favorite yeah, show? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's an interesting topic. And I'm more than... I mean, shit, I called out an artist recently on my shit, so I don't give yeah. a fuck. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's a small podcast. No one listens to me, right? Where, where do we even start? I mean, basically... So, as it turns out, podcast listeners, um, in this segment... We can't talk about it. Um, I double checked with my boss and in this section where we tell about this story, um, we had to cut out parts. So I do apologize, um, but maybe we can share this later on. But as of right now, we cannot talk about uh, this show too much, but much love. Keep listening. That venue worked. I don't remember the venue. I'm not going to talk shit about the venue, but that yeah. was just one of the crazy stories that mm-hmm. like of many, but that was one of the crazy. That's why I say it's my least favorite because it was a lot of work to get set up a lot of preparation, a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, mm-hmm. pretty much out the window. And it wasn't just like you, me, Kato, and Buddy. It was like everybody yeah. else. Like we had a bunch of people running shit, and that was super cool. In the other company, there was like six, seven people, and then there was us three, four, because yeah. I think Doss was with us too. No, we had no. Um, Kato brought that security guard, and then uh, it was Doss. No, that wasn't Doss. Doss the bigger came. guy. Well, I can't remember his name. Um, and then we had somebody else running tickets or some shit. I don't remember. It was it was Anyways. me and you running tickets for a while. Cause sometimes Gage also helps CLM out. Sometimes Gage is the ticket guy. Sometimes Gage is the merch guy for a little bit. Sometimes I just do what I can because I'm also Kato's bitch. Yep, I we guess. we say we're Kato's so. bitches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Kato. <laughs> it's gonna be different in 2021. The reason why is because not that we're his bitches. Literally, for people who are listening, it's yeah. It's the fact that we helped the guy out so much, and he said, look, I'm not going to be able to come to Minnesota for every show, and you saw that. A lot of the shows you were at, Cato wasn't even there. It was just me, you, and Buddy mm-hmm. doing a whole show. And that's what people don't realize, is that like yeah. they're like, they come to our shows, and they people are used to that show atmosphere that we create, and I'm like, yeah, we created that, and you're used to it, but there's only three people working the whole thing, and me and Buddy have the majority of the responsibility, and where he's, people are wondering why I'm running with my, you know, like, like I'm running with my head cut off. I know AB, Modson, Modson's tour manager, Brittany, Dax, all of the people that we've worked with are like, Kevin, you run around so much, <laughs> but you wonder how shit gets done? Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. And that's why, like, Nate was like, when Kato calls you a mini Kato, me, calls me a mini Kato. Mm-hmm. That's what Nate said. That's like a compliment. And I'm like, if you guys don't know who Kato is, look up Kaylin Schaefer, Kato Live Music. Currently, I'm pretty sure the chief marketing officer of Riff Raff. CMO. Yep, yep CMO. He'll never tell you like, oh my God, Kevin, you did such a good job. He'll, he'll, he'll do this. He'll go, okay. And that, and that, that <laughs> to Kato is like, a, you did a really good job. Yeah, when he goes, okay. Or, all right. You know, all right. <laughs> I, but the best part is it's that, and then when he gives you a Bud Light, that's when you're like, you've done a really good job. Yeah, is when you get a cold Bud Light, sometimes warm. But yeah, it's just 50-50 on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you get that cold Bud Light, I was like, that's a seal of approval from Kato. Mm-hmm. That, and that's, that was happening at, in 2020. That was happening like every show. Mm-hmm. So then it just turned into like, you know, you're my partner. I was like, cool. I remember but, getting my first Bud Light. That was actually at the Riff Raff show when I did merch. <laughs> <laughs> got your first Kato Bud Light. I was like, ooh. It's always Bud fucking Light. I said, yeah, drink any craft beer? We, we're, we were literally in Wisconsin, <laughs> and we're drinking Bud Light. Dude, you could drink anything. Yeah. Spotted Cow yeah. was at the bar. There's bush no Light. Way it wasn't. Bush Light. I would take it. Yeah. You know, I'm not, but I'm not taking. I could rip some bush up. Bud Light and Wisconsin. I don't mm-hmm. know. Got whatever, you know, Kato's beer choices. We'll talk about that later, I guess. But, um, <laughs> 
Yeah, man, that that was really fun. I'm trying to think yeah. of what else to talk about. Again, those who are listening, this is completely open forum. Usually, my podcast cliff. was like you know pretty structured. Yeah, I said with this one, I kind of said this is the fuck it. So if you guys like the fuck it mode, you know, let me know. Let me know. Subscribe. Do your thing. <laughs> um, trying to think of what else. Oh, yeah, dude, we got some cool stuff. Um, what do you got coming? What do I have coming? Just yeah. uh, a lot of passion projects, a lot of things. Explain a passion project. A passion project? Well, I mean, you were just about to just list off a fuck ton of things, so let's talk about what a passion project is, because yeah. I know what that means. Yeah. Do you think, like, Jim watching here knows Jim? what a passion project, whoever Jim is? Yeah, I <laughs> guess Jim wouldn't necessarily know what a passion project is, but so a passion project for me um, means something that you would love to just, like, pour everything that you have into it, you know, that it has no sort of, like, monetary gain or or value or is, is shrouded in that, in right. that... Uh, that stuff mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah um so kind of like what you said just making stuff for you yeah um and th doing that has helped me be in tune with like who i am and who i'm evolving to be as a person um just so much more yeah because i think one of the biggest problems that i that any videographer any creative for that matter like can encounter is like when you love something so much that you want to turn it into a profession and you start to lose yourself in whether it be money or just the pursuit of the success itself right. rather than making the art because you love it and right. you love film or you love painting or you love makeup, whatever it is. That's when stuff can get a little muddy. Yeah. So that's why I try to at least like once a month, even if I don't release it, like I have a dude, I have a ton of stuff that I've just never released I because I don't care because it's yeah. for me because yeah. the past that hence passion project right right so um that's that's really kind of like on my heart is just being able to just to do that stay in tune and uh have that love still carry over to when like i'm shooting weddings or i'm a music mm -hmm. video or you know photos what whatever mm -hmm. um i feel like that's that's incredibly important yeah no I, I like that it's when you say passion project not a lot of people uh know what that means and i like when you you told me this once um and well a couple times but and you the, i like i i use this phrase a lot now uh turning ordinary places into cinematic adventures mm. you texted me that once and mm -hmm. you were like should i should i make this a thing yeah and i was like yeah like just go for it and mm -hmm. um like the participation was there and like not maybe it wasn't like a viral thing it doesn't need to be but it was a really cool concept that i think you should keep doing too mm. that was like and again the whole point of people is it's pretty pretty self-explanatory you turn an ordinary place like your favorite national park or you know uh, like a store whatever it is or like your, your cul-de-sac like turn turn that place into a cinematic adventure mm -hmm. um and i think that really speaks to who you are as a videographer mm. super cinematic super visionary like not you're trying to like you're not even trying to separate yourself from everybody else it just naturally happens to be that way hmm. um i think that's really fucking cool dude because again like no nah, i'm not uh, not here to toot horns I, I call people out on their shit but like it's just a really cool concept that like I, I don't think a lot of people do i don't see at least other videographers in this scene in particular doing stuff like that hmm. i see them doing their own projects but it's like projects meaning business stuff like you know, corporate events and weddings and you do those things as well. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, yeah, those are the standard ways to make money. And sure. I'm, I'm assuming corporate events and, you know, weddings make the most money versus doing a hip hop video. 
right? I'm assuming they make the more money. They do. But you do. I remember you told me this. I said, then why don't you quit hip hop? Why don't you like trim the fat and just like do what you want to do to make the most money? You're like, because I, I like being creative. I like storyboarding. I like doing that stuff. Like it mm-hmm. keeps you creative. Yeah. And I wanted to ask like, passion projects are good but what's your ratio of like what kind of videos you do nowadays like i'm assuming it's mostly weddings but like what else do you do that's like not weddings that like you've been doing lately other than the passion projects as well i mean honestly right now it's it's kind of slim pickings uh i've worked with uh a few companies just like doing general ads yeah um but weddings like especially right now given the covid season has been uh, almost a godsend for 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 me and i'm sure other videographers as well i'm just surprised weddings are still happening mm-hmm. yep yeah i had um the first wedding i had this season was in march early march and i've been going steady at least like two weddings a month damn uh since i've been going that's nuts mm-hmm. well think about that two weddings a month since march mm-hmm. i mean dude you're talking five six months of weddings straight Mm-hmm. More than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just have to like, it's weird. It's still weird being at weddings because I'm very like, yeah. like, I yeah. don't know if I should touch you. And if, if they don't, if they don't wear a mask, like, especially if we're outside, like, if you're outside, you're I'm good. not going to wear a mask, but yeah. I always just give them the common courtesy, whatever they believe. Cause at the end of the day, like what I'm wearing it for is not necessarily for me. It's just for the, like the security and like the, um, just being able to, just be cool. Yeah, you it's, know? it's for like, other okay, people. Okay, my videographer is wearing a mask. That's really considerate of them. Yeah, it's Very for cool. other people. It's for other people. I mean, that's the whole point of masks is yeah. is for other people. And, like, I mean, everyone in – I'll talk about it. Everyone who knows me knows I'm super COVID scared. Like, it just I'm one of those people that's just, like, I've been always super, super scared. I've lost friends over COVID. Like, I've – I've been very like when you walked in my house, I was like, "Yo, like put sanitizer on, you bitch." J- just just and I have like a fan going just for circulation. Yeah, like and and again, it's just because we have a small quarantine bubble. But even if you're in my bubble, I just make sure that we're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all. Like that's why with shows, I can't. I I would be so so stressed out if I had to like sit here and do show after show after show. And even when stuff resumes, like even post COVID, mm-hmm. it's gonna be scary. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so scary, dude. Like people are telling me actually like patrons. Uh, I would talk to uh, Aiken, one of my buddies. I've talked to Brady, talked to like people who like kind of go to shows that we know. And they're like, I'm still wearing a mask at shows. Yeah. Like it's still going to be a thing. Like even when shows come back, people are like, didn't realize how dirty shows were after all this stuff about Corona being an aerosol and like how we can pick up other people's germs. Like yeah. when they're s- packed like sardines in a show and they're sweating and like they're exhaling and like, it's like, oh God, I didn't even realize how nasty it was. <laughs> you want to know why? why? Because none of those patrons see the bar with the lights on. <laughs> when they fucking turn those lights on where it's like midnight whenever everyone leaves. When we're there, the last people there, it's fucking disgusting. It, it, <sighs> there are much cleaner places. Cleaner places. Cleaner places? Pla- cleaner uh, places? What did I say? Cleaner places. Cleaner places. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> uh there are much cleaner places on my fucking toilet seat than there was than the in venue. like like the caboose, for instance. That the caboose is always fucking destroyed. It's always destroyed every time. Like when you get there, things are like all right, it's clean. Yeah. Things are like decent, and like everything's all the trash cans are just getting put in. It was you know, it's a bar after a show. It's fucked up. <laughs> Puke condoms. I've seen underwear. God, you've seen a condom. I've seen a condom on oh, like in the yeah. in the pit in the pit. Oh, easily. Wow. In the pit, um, 
saw one behind stage once. I didn't even know how they got there because none of us did it. <laughs> so we're like, what the fuck? Um, I've seen bras, which are pretty common. Yeah, yeah. Nasty panties with blood on them. Oh, that's... I mean, dude, we don't see it often because we're like focused on other things, and then like yeah. the the security's picking up the trash on the floor. But like, I remember once this dude like was like, "Here, look at this," and I was like, "Oh, oh my fucking god, dude!" Like the fact that he's picking that up, and he was like just flagging it around. Like, man, that's gross shit. Yeah, I guess all bets are off when you know you're, you know, fucking thrashing in a crowd. And dude, that's only my first year at CLM. The things we're talking about, like, this is our this is our first year this with this year company. one, year yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> year one. Looking dude. forward to year two. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't even realize that. Like, it's only been one year since I've been with CLM. It's it's over a year now, but COVID doesn't fucking count. I was so mad because I was like, dude, my first year at CLM was in April, mm-hmm. and I was like, it was like April May, and I, I think it was May, and um, and yeah, Cato was like, <laughs> oh yeah, another thing about Cato, you know how we're talking about doesn't give you much praise. Mm-hmm. Whoop! That's what I got. Whoop! One year with Cato. <laughs> Whoop. And then Buddy was like, yo, man, I love you, bro. Like, you've done so much for this company. Like, da, 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 da. And then Cater goes, whoop, you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his way. Don't get it wrong. That's his, that's his way. way of saying, I love you. Dude, I was supposed <laughs> to be an intern, man. The fact that, like, I'm still here after a year and he was he was supposed to, I was supposed to be disposable. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned it in a podcast. Go look at uh, the podcast I do with my boss, Cato. Um, you know, he told me, like, you're only, I said I was only supposed to be an intern. He goes, yeah, and the fact that you're still here, you know, you should be happy about that. And I was like, that's true. Because, like, I'm just blessed to be here, man. I'm so blessed to be, like, I'm a concert promoter. And I didn't even call myself that. I called myself an intern for CLM. Six months go by. I get changed to operations manager to get more duties and responsibility. And I didn't like, it wasn't like a pay increase. It was just like, here's the duties and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Here's a new title. And then afterwards it was like, okay, here's you doing what I do when I'm there. And that's when I call myself a concert promoter. Cause I think I'm allowed to say that when now I'm in the beginning to end, which that beginning to end, how long have I been in it for? I think, you know, it's only been for like four months right. when shows were going on. Now I've been in it for longer, now kind of doing the discussions, but I still haven't fully been in this role where I'm seeing it from end to end. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Before I was seeing it from just the end and then middle end, and then now it's end to end. I see everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm a part of everything. But even, you know, over the course, like you said, of those 30 plus shows, like you've learned so much and especially having a mentor like Cato to just be a fucking straight shooter with you. I wouldn't have, I I wouldn't have like grown as fast. Because it's basically like this. I think I'm sure this was was his thought process of okay, you really like this stuff. All right, here you go. I'll throw you in with the sharks and see what happens, dude. You were there, Kasky. Yeah. He wasn't there. That was my second yeah. show. Mm-hmm. You were there with Kasky. Yeah, you were there for the struggle. Struggle. Kato was there. The first thing I ever did for CLM was like, Katie, what do you want me to do? Set up a banner. Didn't even tell me how to set up this complicated. Banners aren't easy, folks. Like, big banners you see at shows have, like, eight parts to that thing and no instruction, just in a shitty bag, here you go. And then that was the first thing I did, and then I didn't even get to see anything Cato did. I didn't get to see a damn thing. So, again, I was the the ideology was to be an intern. I, he never told me this, but I'm pretty sure throwing me to the sharks like that with Kasky and, like, learning on the fly, it wasn't that he, he had confidence that Buddy could run the show because Buddy was running shows without me before yeah. anybody. Yeah. And then it was like, well, let's see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And I remember that was a really demanding show, and that was only two hundred like fifty people. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. and I, I honestly, I'm super excited because we're supposed to be doing some shows with Caskey when things reopen. Those shows are gonna be lit. Uh, mm-hmm. Martial Law came out, McQueen Fiend came out. He came out with a bunch of music that was like made him really way bigger. Yeah, and I'm really excited for that. Um, 
but yeah, dude, learning on the fly was fun. And like, and, and I'm still, still learning, obviously. And now I'm just learning the more, more of it. I'm not just handling local acts anymore, which that was something to learn too. was like when I was first handling local contracts and like mm-hmm. handling these artists for the first time, that was, that was really tough. Yeah. It, it's all judgment call. It's all like, how good are these people? You know, let's look at their music. You can't really just interview somebody in an email. You have to like really just do your research yeah. on who you're booking. Yeah, you got to see what kind of audience they have. Does it match up with the headliner, et cetera? Is this going to benefit both parties? Like, Mm -hmm. what can they bring to the table? And what do you think, like, having the two perspectives? Because now, don't you remember when we were sitting there as 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 you as an artist yeah. trying to get into these shows and you're like why the fuck won't these guys respond to my emails or texts or dms or whatever <laughs> yeah 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 and now you're on the other side yeah and how does how does that uh dynamic work for you now now that you know what it takes to like okay well I can't just throw this guy on this fucking G Easy show or whatever yeah it whatever is. it is yeah yeah. N- yeah being in the inside versus seeing it from the outside you're right the outside I was like why aren't they responding to me what am I doing wrong should I change my approach stuff like that and then the inside comes into play and now I'm like okay I get it my approach wasn't the greatest it wasn't like the worst compared to what I've seen but it wasn't the greatest um that's one thing was the approach needed to be changed the coming collect like not just inquiring to see what what it would do, be like what the requirements are to get into a show but like being serious about your inquiry mm-hmm. like is this something that i'm going to be able to do hey babe my girlfriend's coming in everybody Everyone welcome amira to the podcast welcome amira to the podcast she's behind me for those in video babe come in frame okay <laughs> all right well you probably heard that but um jc your doggo is in the room by the way i did throw a bone in there so she's not freaking out but now she probably is since you're home Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, so yeah, no, what was I talking about? Oh yeah. The inside perspective. Um, yeah, the inside, like I said, the approach, the requirements and being serious about your inquiry Mm -hmm. and not only that, but like, you know, the other aspects of it too, or, you know, I needed to change a lot, man, Mm -hmm. but it's really cool to see both sides. Like people don't recognize that. Like I was an artist before I was an artist. I was a musician first in a, you know, in a, in bands, then I was an artist. Then I was a manager. Then I was a music business. Like, you know, I started the music business with Miles. And then I went to CLM. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of pivoting, man. It was a lot of pivoting just to realize, yeah. oh, shit, this is what I'm good at. Because mm-hmm. I've never been the type of person to, like, stick to one thing. I literally, I thought I was good at music. But then I was like, no, you're good at writing music. Let's, let, You're not going to be super successful at this if you want to work in the music industry. Let's do something else. And Miles said, let's start a company. Started that for a year. Realized that that wasn't my calling because I wasn't putting in as much work as I should have. And like we've all had conversations about that. You know a lot about that because Gage Record Productions was our partner for, for that as well, for that company. And then... I was like, well, that wasn't good. And then when Cato first let me in a show, I naturally knew, well, yeah, this is who this person is. This is who this person is. And he goes, oh, I'm going to skip all the introduction. Then you know what the parts of the show and how they move already. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. Like, all I need to do is just get some reps in. Yep. Build the consistency. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the most important part is yep. what people miss is the consistency. Yeah. That's what makes you who you are yeah. today and who you're going to be in the future right dude I'm, i want to be the best promoter in the state by mm-hmm. far i don't I don't want to be like a part of a big company that Not has even the state bro. 
Why are you limiting yourself to the state? <clears throat> Midwest, whatever it is, man. I want to stay in the Midwest. Like, I've never been to the South South, though. Like, Cato keeps telling me, because now Cato is running the Kentucky market and Louisville and all the southern states. Mm-hmm. We have to expand, for sure. And we want to be throughout the whole United States, like AMG or, like, Live Nation. Yeah. But, like, the fact that we can say as CLM, our only real competition is AMG or Live Nation, that's crazy. Think about yeah. it. Who else is our competition? Well, those are multi million billion yeah whatever they are huge huge companies those are companies live nation just uh like almost single-handedly built that Fillmore that just uh yeah got raised they, in Minneapolis. the Fillmore um is their venue like if you haven't realized Crazy. people like we we all have like territories essentially and and when you're when you're in a company or doing promotion and like in the music scene but like i'm not gonna get into that but essentially that's like you'll recognize clm does the same couple venues like so does live nation so does mm-hmm. amg amg will always be the ones to or live nation will be like they have a competition for stadium licenses so they're the ones that book the stadiums they're the yep. ones that book armory they're the ones that book excel they're the ones that book those big ones and then you like well who does like you know first half well first half does first half skyway fine line they own that little area then it's like well what if we have like an off show like you know like i want to see someone up and coming or someone who used to be really dope well, that's what CLM would be for. Mm-hmm. Like CLM brings a different experience for sure that I think is like unique to our own for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because not everybody, especially at a local level, is going to have access to a, a promoter that has those types of connections. Yeah. So then CLM can kind of help like fill that gap. Yeah, people don't know who CLM know? is. It's funny, but it's like you've been to our shows, you just don't even know it. It's mm-hmm. actually hilarious. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think it's fun. A fun, fo- it's a good spot to learn. It's a good spot to be in. I've told Cato like my ultimate goal isn't to like own CLM or anything. It's just to be a phenomenal promoter. I want to bring a unique experience, which I haven't even been able to yet. I want to like change the way these things are done. I want to like change the whole approach. I want to change the customer journey. I mm-hmm. want to change user experience. I want to change the way people experience shows mm-hmm. to where and blend everything that I know about business, marketing, sales, music. And just make it a phenomenal experience that's worth your money. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do. Don't let them forget about the venue or no. you know the things that happen before the actual artist gets on. Because that's that's like the opportunity point there, right? Like you have okay, they get there, they're super excited, and they have a huge lull period if they especially don't want to listen to the openers. Yep. And then there's the the main artist. Yeah. So then yeah, you're trying to like hone in on that and that's why like Cato and I really like say two to three locals max because yeah. like it's not that locals aren't good it's not that they can't be good I've been to a yeah, ton absolutely. of local shows that are like super engaging the right. smaller shows have always been my favorite shows mm-hmm. but like when because they are very engaging I'm not just saying that because it's a smaller show I'm everybody saying everybody gets one yeah everybody gets one but it's like I remember I booked Screwface by myself for the first time like Cato was like you're doing this beginning to end this is your first time and he let me book Screwface by myself and we had only like 30 people there it was like Mm -hmm. a very small turnout it was like 30 people and Screwface was a really smart artist and he was like you know it's all good like i enjoyed the experience it was a really small intimate show but it was still successful Mm -hmm. like it was it wasn't it wasn't a show that we paid out money like it was a good show and i was like that is a good learning experience that like is my first ever experience of actually booking from beginning to end and that's when i told kato i think i'm ready to learn the big stuff from beginning to end because that has a lot more paperwork Mm -hmm. that has a lot more stuff to it yeah but it's not that much at the same time it really mm-hmm. isn't. Anyone can do it. You can do anything. It's just a matter of putting your mind to it and really like understanding that. Mm-hmm. The, the one thing I talked about with Jake Giller was that the one thing you don't get in the music industry is what Kato's trying to get me used to is like the glory, the fame, mm-hmm. the recognition, the clout, sure. some would say. Um, people think being a promoter is like all about getting that clout. The biggest thing is having good relationships with the agents, 
with the artists. That's what's going to make you work full-time in the music industry. Mm-hmm. The clout won't. Yeah. I can have all the clout in the world. I'm not going to get any money from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's interesting because like when you say you mentioned those specific videographers, the other videographers in the state, mm-hmm. the, the reason like you know their name is because you know that people give them they give people a a good user experience. Yep. And they give people like that, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they tell their friends, like, oh, do you see what this guy did? Like, that's so cool. And like, that's how you, that's how you build that brand is through, yep. through the consistency of relationships, through your work, through making sure that you're good, making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, you're not falling into some, you know, pit that you won't be able to get out of. Especially, dude, I've seen people fucking get so depressed yeah. off of either A, like trying to work on their craft and it just not going where they want it to. Or being so deep in it monetarily that they just lose all feeling, and then they're just numb to it at that point. Yeah. And then at, at that at that moment, it's like, what what is this all for? What is yeah. the purpose of it? Mm-hmm. You know, and when you lose that purpose, what's yeah. the point? That's when I, that's when you see me, you heard me preach the the golden circle to people. Yeah. Why you do something? What's the golden circle, Kev? Yeah, golden circle is by Simon Sinek. Look it up. It's the why you do something, how you do it, and what you do. Um, in that order and it's a circle right if you imagine a circle there's three layers to this circle it's the why in the middle the outer is the is the how and then the outer of that is the what and it always speaks outwards and essentially if you lose your why if you lose why you do this then why why would someone care about you mm-hmm. you know so why i do this is very simple why i do this podcast for example people how kev's perspective was made was kev's perspective is a podcast that shows you different perspectives of the industry that we're talking about or that we're in. And we talk about our different experiences, which forms that perspective, right? How do I do that? I talk about it by speaking into a microphone with Gage here. And we talk about it in a very high quality, you know, way with with high quality audio, good video. That's why I'm trying to improve the podcast. Mm. And what do we do? We make a podcast. Yeah. Like we make, you know, that's all, that's it. That's the whole thing. And it's, that was like very broken down, not marketing. I, that was me completely raw, not marketed. But like what, what Gage is saying is when you lose that purpose, when you lose that why, which a lot of people refer to, um, it, it, it's, there's no point in doing it. That's why when Cato's mm-hmm. like, I needed to do something else. He works with multiple people because that's what he wants to do. He does marketing consulting now. He used to be a promoter. Now he does marketing consulting. That's why I said he's CMO of Planet Riff Raff is because he also was marketing of Chris Webby mm-hmm. like for years and still is. Yeah. He has so many clients under his belt. Dude, he worked with Creed. You know Creed from The Office? Yeah, Creed Bratton. Yeah, Creed Bratton, bro. That's one of his big clients. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's why he wants to work with multiple people and get multiple different like perspectives and multiple different things because he can't just do one thing. Mm-hmm. Can he's a human being that operates in such a high level? He can't just do one thing. And when he finds someone like me that just wants to do this one thing, which is to grow the experience and the company of CLM Presents, he goes, "Cool, I'm going to teach you everything I know, and you can do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to focus on other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do whatever, and that that. I think that spans in not just professionally, but all aspects of life. Just keep that fire alive by whatever means necessary. If that means for me uh, going up to a cabin up in the North woods, locking myself in there for a week and and doing something like that's what that means for me. But it can mean so many different things for so many different people, you know, and that's, it's, it's so, so important, especially now today when you can, you know, a lot of us are still stuck in our houses. Yeah. 
and a lot of us are jobless and that's terrible and i can only imagine not having some sort of um vocation or craft that you love so much that you can output into that um that you just you just explode like yeah. what do you do like if you have so much like energy and just thoughts and stuff because think about that like stockholm syndrome like you're in a place for too long and you start going nuts yeah you know you got to have some sort of outlet that's what people are worried about with this virus that's why people are worried about like the upcoming election and stuff because like everything you know if you get stuck in one place too long and your environment doesn't change you do the same thing every day you will go nuts like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again knowing that it doesn't work mm -hmm. so that's yeah. the definition of insanity so i i get it that's why i'm doing yeah. a podcast that's why you know, you do what you do. You do the, you do a ton of different projects. That's why I asked that question. And that's why when shows come up, we're, I'm not doing the same venues every day. We do other markets and you just got to keep yourself stimulated. Mm -hmm. That's why, like, again, I, I work, people who ask, like, what, Kevin, what do you do when this stuff's, like, shut down? I work at Apple, right? And so I constantly feed myself with information with whether it be a new product, like you said, the iPhone 12, yeah. unbelievable new thing. Yeah. When it comes to, you know, like, the podcast, I'm always looking. I didn't even know who Joe Rogan podcast was. Like, a new of it but i didn't really mm -hmm. listen to it now i'm deep dive into it i've i've now expanded my podcasting from just two to three podcasts that i always listen to now i listen to like 10 a day mm -hmm. because i want to know the different approaches the different ways of doing things like i didn't even i never thought i'd listen to like the daily by new york post i never thought i'd listen to a math is hard by one of my friends i never thought i'd listen to these podcasts like you said you used to listen, listen to the comedy button for forever yeah like you know, you got to expand and do something different and not go nuts is my point. Mm -hmm. But to wrap this all up, man, what what's going on with Gage? I always have to ask that with my guests. What What's next with you? What's going on with me? Well, I have, I, I can't really talk much about it mostly because like, you know, it's, it's an IP. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, uh, I got some like really cool projects, especially for filmmakers coming down the line because I'm starting to like notice some opportunities across the board that uh, I've experienced uh, in terms of being a filmmaker, an editor, a color grade, whatever it might be. Uh, and uh, being able to like really give people the, the content mm -hmm. um, that they need to make great videos. If you know, they don't know how to shoot. I'm saying it, aren't I? Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying it. Uh, I can't it's coming, but but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's 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 a project. Cool. It's like a big project that's gonna be really something cool. We talked about it. It's gonna be something really fucking cool for filmmakers, yeah. in particular. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like I'm just I'm gonna say it again. Like this is the reason like I don't I never post or do anything on social media is because I'm yeah. like I'm not looking for that like that quick buck. I'm not looking for that. Hey, uh, come to come look at my video course and you know pay. Yeah. You know, fifty dollars a month or something like that. Yeah. It's it, it's nothing like that. I'm seeing no. a genuine problem or an opportunity in the industry that I'm in, and I'm I, I found a potential solution to yeah. help alleviate some of that. I'm not I'm not a godsend. No, I am not the best videographer in the world. Let me just put that out there. But you see a problem <laughs> and you want to solve it, and you're probably exactly. one of the first to do it. Possibly. I mean, on a smaller scale. I think you scale, found a blue yeah. ocean. I think you definitely found a blue ocean. We talked about it. You found a blue ocean. Something's coming. It's going to be fun. For now, um, follow Gage Reagan uh, at Instagram. Is, mm -hmm. is a big place. Yeah. The, the website's being worked on. That's why you can't talk about it. That's why it's not up. Otherwise, I'd say go to GageReaganProductions.com. Mm -hmm. But that's down right now. Being yeah. worked on. Although I don't post, you know, shoot me a DM. 
you know, whatever you want. It's yeah. I, I would love to. I'll throw your email up here, gaydragonproduction at, at gmail dot com. Um, yeah, I'll throw it up right here. People feel free to email him any inquiries you have for you know if you want to curious about what Gage does. YouTube Gage Reagan. It's super Gage Reagan sim- Productions on YouTube. Gage Reagan Productions. Yeah, yeah, su- super simple yeah. to to find. I would love to answer questions. Just like talk to you, collaborate, like whatever. Like I love to like get into other creatives' minds mm-hmm. and like talk like we're, we're doing now i feel like that's what we're losing yeah. as a society is this human connection of being able to like yes. sit face to because this is this is how humans we're gonna go forever yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how humans are supposed to interact one-on-one looking at each other mm-hmm. without our fucking phones in our hands mm-hmm. and just understand social cues and see mannerisms and stuff like that so like this is important and like yeah it's it's cool to be able to to do this stuff that's why i think joe rogan is is like the fucking you know the mecca of podcasting right yeah. now is because he he loves that raw connection and yeah i think that's that's so important because i guarantee you if there's a couple like not, i'm not even gonna say rappers i'm just gonna say music artists in general that may have some sort of like persona or something that you're they're trying to like mm-hmm. kind of like cloak themselves with yeah if you're sitting down with them for a podcast for how long have we been on air like i don't know hour and a half something, something like, like that, that. You're gonna be able to break down those walls pretty damn fast. Yeah, no, we talked about that. Me and Mod actually, that was something I mentioned in that podcast. You remember it was like, you know, I'm glad I'm getting this raw cut inversion. The reason why I'm doing this podcast was in the beginning for musical artists that was like they always put up this front, they always put up this this is who I am. I'm this brand. Right. I'll sit you down for thirty minutes and see if you can keep that up. If you can keep that up for even twenty minutes mm-hmm. of just being not you, yeah. then you know, but that's why I wanted to do this because everyone I've interviewed has showed me who they are. All good people, luckily. That's why I bring them on. Yeah. I've tried to bring on people that I actually disagree with to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Not hearing back. Doesn't work out too well. That's not hearing back. Mm. Otherwise I'd love to. I would yeah. literally love to. I would love yeah. to have you on. It's a different perspective. That's the whole point of the podcast. Kev's perspective. Kev's perspective. Yeah. Give me a different perspective, and I will more than happy either debate it with you or talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. More than happy. That's what him. it's about. Is yeah. You want to talk to people that disagree with you because that's it. you you want to know that opposing view because they have information that you may not have right. and vice versa. Right. So it's cool to to mesh that together and then be like, at the end of the podcast, be like, that was really cool. Thank you for letting yeah. me know your story because everybody's got a story whether you're a homeless man on the street or you're taylor swift yeah everybody has got i'm actually going to bring on some politicians i'm going to yeah. bring on some like my professors that yeah. i learned from i'm going to bring on those people and then more musical guests and then again anyone that you guys want to hear i've gotten some suggestions i've gotten like philosophers so i'm gonna bring out my old professor that studied yeah. philosophy for 12 years mm-hmm. i'm gonna bring on someone from ethnic studies hopefully that like i learned from college and like just anyone that i have in my connection pool which is usually pretty big that i can be like do you have time to like hop mm-hmm. on here with me and yeah if not in person let's do it over zoom um you know just figure something out that's why again for those who are listening to the podcast and see my zoom stuff i try to make it this is obviously going to be way better quality mm. that's why i'm going to keep doing this in 2021 i'm going to keep doing in-person stuff mm-hmm. for now i bring in the quarantine bubble and i bring in who i can and i'm just really excited because yeah i want to bring in a different perspective yeah. anyone you got when i say at the end of a podcast i say anyone you want to hear any topics you want to talk about, let me know. Yeah, because nothing's off limits. Because when you no. limit something, I mean, I don't know. I usually it ask very my, fun to me. <laughs> I, I, told, I told you this. I ask every single guest in the beginning, except you. Yeah. I was like, um, "Is there anything I can't talk about?" Yeah, I, I knew with you, I knew what I could and could not talk about. There's usually nothing, but yeah. 
But I mean, like with like, I ask every guest, there's something I can't talk about. Because mm-hmm. then when you limit me, it, I usually try to like. You try to get in there a I little try bit. To like, poke the bear a little yeah. bit, but not to disrespect. To like, because I, I, if you don't want to talk about it, it's an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. It usually is how it works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is Gay Dragon, everybody. I'm going to end it here. Yeah. It's going to be my longest podcast episode yet, for sure. I knew it was going to be. You think so? Yeah, dude. I think it was an hour and 10 minutes was the other one. This is easily an hour and a half. I don't believe you. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I can't pocket. I, people, Joe Rogan, well, we sit here and sit here for three hours. Yeah. <sighs> fuck me, dude. That's a dude. I could keep going, but we how gotta, in the, we gotta end it. How in the fuck can you podcast for three hours on average? Like his Kanye one was three hours long. Yeah. I think and to listen to Post Kanye Malone for three was, hours, I think, is a feat within itself. Let's. You uh, watched that, right? Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. I. Fuck. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think, it was mental throw up of Kanye West. Like I, I love Kanye, I think he's a genius. Yeah, I also think he has like a mental throw up all the time. I think he means well. I think I think yeah. what he's doing, especially okay. Let me be clear. Like I think what he's doing for artists right now, and and getting these these contract situations yeah. figured out, With and the labels, and spending all of his money to to bring a legal team in to like look at these con. And he dude, he tweeted out. He's like, let me look at your contracts. Oh yeah, he's literally doing it. Like and that's cool. People are sending him contracts to see how much you're losing on your masters or what you're owning him. He said that when he was doing that in the Joe Rogan podcast, he mentioned that the labels don't want him to do that. No, the labels don't want him to like dive deep into it because labels are made. Side Real said this as well in my other podcast. I have a lot of this stuff referenced. Side Real said the labels are there to fuck you over. You are an asset to them. That's you are not you are. a person. No, nope. you are an asset. This is your livelihood. You risked it all to be in this industry, and they do not give a fuck. No matter what they say, mm-hmm. even independent labels. Sometimes independent labels are more family based. So if they bring you on, your family in that case will take care of you. That's why I really believe in independent labels. Yeah. When it comes to record labels, we're talking big labels. I don't care if y'all are listening. Fuck y'all. Like from what I've heard and what I've seen, you only go there because there's a certain stardom you want to hit. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you don't want to hit that stardom, like Chris Webby has made so much goddamn money, but people barely know him. He's not mainstream. Well, yeah, Russ yeah. is different. Russ is si- Russ is different because he's done everything himself, but he uses that label. I think, or I don't know who he's signed to. I can't really speak on Russ. Sure, but I know that he does everything himself. But I'm talking like with Chris Webby. Webby is fully independent. Fully independent, yeah. and he makes so much goddamn money. Yeah, he's a millionaire. People mm-hmm. don't think people know that. He, mm-hmm. Definitely, man. Like, this is me speculating, but like, same with like Riff Raff, for example. That man's independent right now. Mm. His merch is going nuts. Yeah. Like, so I'm just saying, yeah, that's why everyone tries to stay independent. It's not just for the money, but also your ownership in the future of what you own. Let's say you were funded by somebody and there's a lot of things that people wonder why this album comes out or why did that album sound like trash? It like sounded rushed because a lot of people invest in that artist and that inner artist is then forced to make an album or a song that they don't want to yep. make. You must make four you, albums you with us. have to. Yep. And if you don't, then we're just literally we're gonna sue you for millions and your millions whole of dollars done. that we would have had. Yep. 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 And that's why when like I liked Big Sean's album, I think it was. Oh no, it was the climb back by J. Cole. He had a mm. sample in the beginning. He said, like, um, we're we're willing to sing for pennies a record. Mm-hmm. Like the, it said, the, in the, the, there's another there's another thing in there in Big Sean's sample. He said that um, I'm just trying to like paraphrase it correctly. He said that um or a sample said that if 
that sports player is worth millions, his agency is making billions mm-hmm. of dollars. Yep. Think about that. Sports, they get paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Baseball. You get paid $200 million to throw a baseball. How much is that person making off of you, your agent? Yep. How much is that general manager making? And people don't even realize that, that they're not even the ones with the talent. They're the ones who buy the talent. They're the ones who are finding it. They're the, That's why A&Rs and stuff make so much goddamn money mm-hmm. sometimes. And a lot of, some of them don't even have a, a talent in their, like, in their no. fucking left, you know, butt cheek. No, they, it's don't, like... they don't have shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, doing what we're doing right now, just being creative, like, making a podcast, they couldn't even do it if they wanted to. Mm. And that's why, like, I don't know, man, it, it's, uh, it's so nuts that Kanye is... Definitely, that's that's why I say he's a genius. I told my girlfriend that I said he's a genius, and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Think about it. Like this man came from nothing. He came from showing people a beat. Now he's making Sunday services that blow your goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. He's he's made so much money. Remember when Kanye entered the fashion industry? No one thought he would do well. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, "Fuck that! Like Yeezys are stupid. Yeezys are still one of the most sought after shoes in the world. Yeah, in the world." They sell for a lot of money. Dude, people in his companies go off to be working for Dolce & Gabbana. Mm-hmm. Gucci, the head of Gucci, the head of Dolce, the head of this, head of Louis. Mm-hmm. All came from Kanye's company. Yeah. Think about that. He has to be some kind of genius if you're breeding other geniuses in a field you don't know shit about or you're learning about. I, yeah, I think I think what he really does is he's he brings that visionary aspect to it. and Him and Miles have a lot in common, dude. Yeah. The oh, magnificence of Kanye West literally are miles graves well i wouldn't necessarily go that far because Kanye's a little left field right yeah now. he's a little left field right now but i'm saying like in terms of like the way he holds himself and the way when miles thinks when you see that man get into a thought and the confidence that you have when when you're able to yeah i'm just saying visionaries are out there man uh miles graves 2020 <laughs> yeah yeah look up miles graves man if Still people don't back. know milesgraves.com he has a new company really dope shit um yeah, dude. Visionaries are out there. But mm-hmm. okay. Officially cutting officially, your ass off. Officially we're done. We're out of here. <laughs> well, I'll just have to come back. So Yeah, you'll come back for sure. Yep. All right. Peace. <laughs> Peace and love to God he's gonna keep talking while it's not on my computer. The snap is usually it, people. The uncut shit. When I do this, he's... that's usually when I cut the video and I cut the audio. See, I don't work here, so <laughs> I don't know how hey, it my goes. guy. I don't even work here. The dog's out. My I girlfriend's just, out. I just work here, you my know? guy. Fuck yeah, I'm cutting in now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everybody for all the love you've been showing in Kev's perspective. I hope you guys pick up the gems that are being dropped in these conversations. Please go subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, Kev's Perspective. Again, don't forget that comma. Go to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review on the very bottom. I'd love to hear your feedback. And for any kind of guests you want to hear on the podcast, go follow me on Instagram. It's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Again, it's at Kev's Perspective Podcast. Thank you for listening and keep supporting. Cheers.